1: Afternoons with Rob Brickenridge. Weekdays, 1230 to 3. 770 CHQR. Well, you don't need me to tell you, but I'll tell you anyway. Aging is inevitable. We are all aging. In fact, I've aged in uh, the five seconds since uh, we began this segment. There's a lot of negative connotation, though, around aging. And I suppose, in, in a sense, that's understandable. That the uh, end of all of this is death at some point. And we yearn for, for youth or to hang on to youth. But do we need to, to kind of smash through some of those misconceptions and stereotypes? Is it time to embrace aging? Time to embrace being old. What better time in history is there for being old? Well, and that's the uh, subject explored in a fascinating new book uh, from the international best-selling author of In Praise of Slow. The book is called Boulder Making the Most of Our Longer Lives. Joining us on the line is the author, Carl Honore. Carl, great to have you with us. You're welcome to the program.
0: Great to be with you. Thanks for having me on the show.
1: All right. Well, w- what got you interested in this subject?
0: Well, I'm an Edmonton boy, actually. So <laughs> maybe not surprisingly, this all started for me at a ball hockey tournament, right? Oh, yeah. So I was, you know, I was late 40s at the time, 48, uh, playing with my team, loving it, you know, playing well, leading the team captain into the semifinals and floating on air when somebody just out of nowhere let me know that I was the oldest player at the tournament. And there was something about that piece of information that just hit me like a baseball bat in the head. It was like I couldn't it was like an out-of-body experience. And I suddenly felt all of these questions crowding in. I began to feel like, you know, are people laughing at me? Do I belong here? Uh, Am I the hockey equivalent of the 50-something guy with a 20-something girlfriend? You know, should I be taking up a gentler sport like bingo, maybe? And it was just, I don't know, it completely rocked my world. And I came away from that tournament convinced that I needed to sort of think more deeply about what age meant for me personally but then of course as a writer I wanted to understand the bigger picture and I I wanted to understand why I felt so constrained and so ashamed and I think that's the word I think we feel ashamed and guilty about growing older and um so that was kind of the starting point and I began I guess from the premise and I, I think I grew up very ageist with very very downbeat view of growing older and I wanted to know if there was a a better story to tell about aging and I thankfully, discovered that there is. There's a very good story to be told. Um, You know, we are entering a a golden age of aging, and there's a lot to look forward to, and there's a lot to be feeling good about, and that's kind of where the the book ended up.
1: But as you say, I mean, it it means getting past a lot of this really ingrained thinking about aging.
0: It does, yeah. I mean, I think we're marinated in a a culture of youth, or a cult of youth even, that Mm -hmm. tells us at every turn we're bombarded constantly by the message that younger is better. And it's woven into our vernacular. The, the phrases we use, you know, when we mislay our keys, we talk about a senior moment, right? Or you say, I'm feeling my age and that means I feel inferior, sore, you know, weak. Um, people talk about, you know, showing my age as though that's a shameful thing to do. Uh, we talk about be, 60 being the new 40 or 50 being the new 30 as though reaching 50 and 60 were somehow things to be ashamed of rather than to aspire to. And, and I think this drumbeat of downbeatness about the very act of aging and growing older, which, as you said in your introduction, we all do from the moment Mm -hmm. where we come out of the womb, we're aging, uh, is is completely at odds with the the truth of what aging is and actually backfires on us. This is one of the things that I found most extraordinary and in some ways most shocking about the research I did is that really nowadays our big problem is not aging, it's ageism, right? It's those negative connotations, the negative view we have of aging. Because when you have a bad view of aging, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Let me put that another way. If you think that growing older is going to be bad, then there's a very good chance that it will because people who have a, a negative view of aging, uh, it, it, whatever age they are, you know, 30s, 40s, up, upwards, recover less well from illnesses t- t- tend to talk and move more slowly have uh, more health problems are likely possibly to live seven and a half years less uh, more likely to develop dementia i mean there's just a whole long checklist of reasons why uh, we need to start i think with changing the mindset right mm-hmm. looking at aging with a much more honest and open view understanding that of course we do lose things along the way i'm not a pollyanna you know land of milk and honey my Spectacles are not rose-tinted. I know that. I'm now 51 myself. I know that you do lose things, and things do change, and they sometimes change in ways you don't like as you grow older. We have to move away from making that the whole story about aging to seeing the bigger picture and understanding that, sure, some things get maybe worse or not as nice or as well as we'd like them to be, but there's also a bunch of things that stay the same. And other things, and I think this will be the thing that really maybe surprises people in a good way, other things actually get better as you get older. So that's, that's the kind of story I'm, I'm I'm looking at telling in the book.
1: Well, it's interesting because I think you alluded to, I mean, I mean it is it is subjective. It is, you know, based on our, our perception of, of what's young and what's old. I'm going to be 45 this year. I, I think 30 for me was the first time when I had a birthday and I thought, wow, I'm old. Mm-hmm. But now I've, I look back, I mean, to me, 30 is, is youth, right? 30 is <laughs> is young, <laughs> Um, so certainly, yeah, it's, a lot of it is, is perspective, isn't it? Our own kind of situation. It is. And we, you know,
0: people often use that phrase now, we bandied about all the time, that age is just a number, right? And it sounds so liberating and freeing, but I, I think that it's slightly misleading, that phrase. Because age is not just a number. Age does mean something, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody is the same at 50 as they are at thirty, or you're you're not the same, and no one, no other forty five year old is the same at forty five as they were at twenty five. We do change. Yeah. That's part of what that's part of the rich tapestry of life, right? That's part of what being a human being in the world is all about. I mean, Muhammad Ali famously said once, "Somebody who is the same at fifty as they were at thirty has wasted twenty years of their life." Right. Mm-hmm. So it's it's about understanding that yes, age and the number. Is important, but it's not all defining. What, what we, I think, need to avoid, and you coming back to your question there about perception and, and how we see things, is the way I regard age as a number is saying, okay, I'm now 51, right? I say 51. I'm, I'm honest about it. I'm open. I say that tells the world, and it tells my, me, myself, that I've, you know, lived these years, and the, I, some things will have changed. Other things will stay the same, but it doesn't define me, right? I think that's what I take away from that phrase, age is just a number, because I think the danger is that when we hear the number, we hear right after the number, we hear a little voice saying, you're too old for this, right? So it's that idea of, you know, I'm 40, I'm too old to launch a startup. Or I'm 50, I'm too old to learn a new language. I'm 60, I'm too old to take up kite surfing. Or I'm 70, I'm too old to fall in love again. Mm-hmm. And the answer to that is nonsense, right? No, no, no. That it's that, that, that aging should and can be a process of opening doors and that everybody is different. And you should try and arrive at every year or every moment in your life and just say, well, what, what works for me now? Like, don't worry so much about the number. Don't let the number write the script for me. Let me try and write my own script and um, you know, move on from there.
1: But we think numbers. Like, if, if, you know, if I were talking to somebody and I said, you know, the other day I had a fascinating conversation with this old person I ran into at the shopping mall, that immediately that, that term, would call to mind – Grey hair, 75. I mean, I I don't know. Yeah. Is is old, I mean, can we define old? Well, I think, you know, that's one of the things that I grappled with a lot in the book was what
0: what words to use. And I, I, I eventually settled on older, really more than old, because older feels more elastic. There's more room to play around with it. It can mean lots of different things, because everybody is always older than they were. Someone's always older than you. Old feels like the, the, the last station on the line somehow. Yeah. It feels more fixed. It feels like, as you say, it brings with it a whole chest full of stereotypical traits, like the gray hair, the, you know, all of that stuff, the cantankerous, all the things that we think about <laughs> sure. the old person. And in fact, that, lo- that word has become so freighted, so loaded, so toxic, that Dame Judy Dench, the, 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 act- the English actress, has banned... The word old in her household. Right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, and it, it, and then another example of how we feel so uncomfortable at age is that if you go onto Google search and type in I lie about my, the number one answer is age, right? And sure. It comes back yeah. to this constant feeling of I'm going older and that's a bad thing. I, I need to hide it. I need to deny it. I need to undo it.
1: And that, that's what you're suggesting, that, that first and foremost is that people need to get away from this term or at least stop thinking of themselves as old. Yeah. Well, I, I. I. Yeah.
0: I mean, I don't. I don't. I mean, I think at some point everybody's going to feel old. It's. It's. For me, it's just a word that is. Is so tainted that I. I kind of. I don't know. I mean, at some point we're going to feel like an old person. But I guess what I would say is that you want to define what that final chapter looks like for you, rather than it has to look exactly like you know, Archie Bunker or whatever, you know, yeah. um, Larry David or, or whatever. You know, the, 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 you, I guess the, the, the theme or the message of the book is really that we need to move away from these very defined definitions of what a certain age looks like or what a word means, so old or, you know, young. It, 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 they, they're, they're, they're too, they're like straitjackets, I think, for us. So we need to somehow to break away from them. And so that's why, as I say, I tended to go for something like older which feels more open-ended and 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 can change as you you're, you know you're always older than you were you, you you never stop being older than someone else or than your former self and that that just feels a little bit lighter on the shoulders somehow um to me anyway
1: right and in terms then of you know those societal expectations that well you know you're 50 your life should be a certain way or you're 70 or you're 80 your yeah. life should be a certain way that, that don't be defined by the number right
0: Exactly. And, and the, the good news is that the tectonic plates are shifting culturally. We are moving away from that old way of doing things, which is the you're 50. This is what you ought to be doing or not doing. Right? This is the kind of life you ought to be living. This is where you should be in your life path, right? All these milestones, you should have t- ticked those boxes. by. Th- no, we're moving to something much more fluid now. And, and one example is that Amazon and Netflix no longer chart or track their users by age. They do it by taste. And I think that's a very revealing shift. It shows that what really matters is not whether you're 42, 52, 32, 82. What matters is what box sets you like, you know, what books you read, what art moves you, what food you like to cook for the people you love, the places you like to travel, what your favorite sports. That's what's going to define people more and more, much more than that number on the birth certificate.
1: Because we are living longer, too, right? And, and, you know, these, these medical advances, scientific advances... I mean, is that going to allow us to not only live longer, but, you know, enjoy those years more? Exactly.
0: And that's the, another upbeat bit of news is that, you know, today, for instance, the average 65-year-old Canadian is in way better shape than at any time in, 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 in our history, right? And people are living longer, and we're actually getting, you know, healthy lives, healthy years at the end. And that, that changes the whole equation, right? We're moving away from that traditional three-stage life path of learning and education in your sort of youth, young years, then working and maybe raising children in the middle, and then retiring and, you know, playing golf and playing bingo or whatever it was, you know, for a couple of years and then dying, right? Mm-hmm. Now people, you know, if you start retiring at 62 or 63, now you might be staring down the barrel of 25 more years of life, right? And, and healthy life, no, uh, no less. So it's, it's pushing us in, in, in a good way to throw out, I think, that rigid three-stage life path and to create something much more fluid so that people are, you know, learning all the way through their lives, working all the way through, not, not always the same number of hours, you know, and an 85-year-old is much less likely to want to put in an 80-hour week than a 25-year-old, sure. but but that 85-year-old might like to put in an 8-hour week or an 18-hour, and it, it's going to depend on the on the person. So I think this is what we're, this is the kind of silhouette of what is out there as, you know, our potential future is a world where people have much more freedom, much more scope to define what their lives look like, their life path, the arc of their life, you know, define what their 30s look like, their 40s, 50s, etc., right up into their, their 90s. And, and that to me, that's, you know, that's incredibly good news, right? It's so much less boring than following this really rigid life path that we've, you know, pretty much had since certainly the the early 20th century.
1: Yeah, indeed. Well, it is quite fascinating. The book is called Boulder: Making the Most of Our Longer Lives. carl Carlana, thank you so much for joining us here today. Really appreciate it.
0: Thanks. It's been a pleasure. Right. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 12:30 on News Talk 770 Calgary.